This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Sporting Max at 11.16 SEN. This is your Sunday morning feed. I'm right here now with the 2011 Red Bull, Red Bull King of the Rock Tournament. Um, one-on-one champion. He's also played basketball right around the world. The owner and founder of the Process Basketball Organization, Tremaine Dalton. It's an honor to, and a pleasure and a privilege to have you on, man. How you doing? Man, thank you, man. I appreciate you so much for having me on. Um, now, Tremaine, I want to sort of start off um, this uh, episode um, and the podcast. With, can you sort of tell me about what your childhood was like and what growing up was like for you? Well, I'm originally from Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I'm considered a hometown hero out there for everything that I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like a tough environment with crime, drugs, stuff like that. But uh, that actually, you know, basketball kept me out of those streets, kept me out of trouble, you know. So what was basketball for you yeah. as a kid? It was a lifesaver. You know, uh, when I, what got me into specifically one-on-one is uh, I used to go to every park and I used to try to beat like the, the toughest guy there. You know, it, it was real Dragon Ball Z like for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that, that was my mission because every park, let's say if it was on the east side, the west side, whatever, yeah. whatever the uh, park would be, I would go after the biggest and the best guy just to, you know, get my name on the streets with basketball. So how did you train back yeah. in the days? Just hooped. Yeah. I call it the Allen, yeah, I call it the Allen Iverson regiment. You remember the whole practice. It's not about, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. But uh it's not yeah, it's not uh, Allen Iverson is known never to really he did practice but never really to work or develop. he just used to hoop. He used to play, play, play. And that was my thing back in the day. I I am a big emphasis now on training, but back in my day, it was just all about basketball. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what what's that evolution of basketball been like for you to see especially in um, young players and how they prepare and practice and um, go through their career? Well, I think it's so much better, especially it being an international game. You know, it's funny that, you know, you're from Australia and I'm from America and we're having this conversation, you know. So uh, with development, with training, with different cultures coming together within the spirit of basketball, it's just a hand. And, yeah. uh, you know, you got, yeah, you got people like Luka Doncic and he gets the opportunity to play with LeBron James. You know, and, you know, you got Joe Ingles, for example. You know, he gets the opportunity to play with Kevin Durant. Like, just going against each other competitively or whatever, and you learn from that. You know, Patty Mills, you know, he is playing with Kevin Durant right now. And then you get to learn different styles and training stuff. And, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity for everybody. So what was school like for you? School? Yeah. Yeah. Which depends on when. Your age, or <laughs> as as a kid, and then going into high school and things like that. Ah, okay. Well, for me, it was just about who. It was just about basketball, man. Uh, you know, I was a popular. Well, I'm not gonna say I was a popular kid. I was just beating everybody in basketball. You know, in high school, you know, I was the man just because of basketball. In middle school, you know, but I was a nerd too, man. I, I used to watch cartoons, man. I, anime was my thing, anyway. So when I or Marvel was superheroes as well. So when I played this basketball, I just approached it like I was a superhero, you know. Yeah. So I used to walk around like that too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know so I got my dread. So you know, I'm like a super, I'm a Super Saiyan three right now. Yeah. So how did you get the opportunity to go to college at St. Mary's? Well, I did really well. I did okay in uh, co- I mean, high school. Uh, before I went to St. Mary's, I actually went to uh, 
West Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, I was at, I was pretty good in high school, but what I want to emphasize to kids is you need to get those grades because I actually could have won Division One for basketball yeah. and football. Yeah. But because I was so focused on basketball and just hanging out and stuff like that, that I ended up having to go to a smaller school. Don't get me wrong, I did really well, but I could have created more opportunities if I would have focused more on school. So what did you study at college, um, at West Virginia Tech and then St. Mary's? Uh, I studied political science and then my minor was biology. And then after, you know, I went to go get my master's degrees in business and stuff like that. And that's what helped me with the process of basketball, really learning and understanding business and connecting. The college experience is always different for everyone. Some people, um, like, I mean, out here in Australia, there's a lot of different people have a lot of different approaches um, to the college uh, system in America. Someone like Mason Peatling from Melbourne United, he just wanted to smash out his years at college. He did that in two, three years, get back home. Um, play right. basketball. Um, right. Other guys um, try and wait it out the four-year period, learn as much as they can. So what was the approach to college and basketball for you? Well, it was just to really play and then maintain my grades. Yeah. Because I knew I was good enough. Yeah, I knew I was good enough to go pro, but I made sure I got that degree. You know, I actually could have left early to go pro. I didn't make it to the NBA, but I did play in Europe. I did pretty decent. And, uh, but I wanted to get that degree because that was, most, that was more important than everything. So how do you balance out education, basketball, and um, lifestyle um, in college? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. Like, when you play basketball, you pretty much are connected with the teachers. They want you to succeed. You represent the school. So it's really about just connecting with the teachers, the professors, uh, taking advantage of all the, you know, everything that's around in the school because everybody will help you, you know, especially if you play sports, you know, even, but even if you're a student as well. And it's just really taking advantage of it to get those grades to finish because education is most important. What about the lifestyle? I mean, like parties and social life in college. Stay away from it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stay away from it. That's all I'm going to say, man. You got to stay away from it because you got to focus. Yeah, exactly. You know, I hung out every now and again, but you have to focus. Yeah, exactly. uh, you really want to make it to the NBA or you really want to go over. If you're going to take basketball serious, just go all out. The parties will always be there. Can you tell me about how you developed your game throughout your time at college? Yeah, uh, I was a one-on-one guy, right? Yeah. You know, as you know, I won a Red Bull one-on-one tournament. Uh, I actually yeah. beat all my clients as well. You know, they're some of the top players in the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I just stuck with what I was good with. Uh, I, I was a pretty good point guard. I could play the two as well. But when I got my isolation opportunities, it was a bucket, guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I only play in college. I only play like twenty minutes a game, but I averaged twenty a game, so my efficiency was really <laughs> yeah. high. Yeah, I was yeah. buckets. You know, uh, my free throw percentage was high. My three point percentage was ranked in the country. I still hold records at my school now because I was just a bucket. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. In college, is it like um, what you're doing from a personal uh, from a personal perspective? Um, are, you, are you trying to do the team game to win the championships or? Um, you know, your self-game and development to, you know, attract scouts and possibly get to the NBA or G League? No, no. Uh, see, that's where I've, I've had my success with the process basketball. I'm one of the few coaches who can make this one-on-one game make mm-hmm. sense in a team game. Mm-hmm. And it's more capitalizing on moments rather than making it about yourself. Yeah. So, like, let's, t- let's say, for example, to get, you play four quarters, right? You get five points a quarter. Next thing you know, you average 20 points a game. Yeah, exactly. So the rest, yeah. So the rest the of the re- time, the rest you of those quarters, you're just yeah, you're moving the ball facilitating. Around. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then you're getting your numbers. 
And then uh, especially with the transition from the college to the NBA level, with the NBA or top level Europe, what they want to see is you can capitalize on those moments. So if you know, okay, hard left, crossover right, I'm going to get that two points. I'm going to get that two points. Let's say downhill, pull up three. Now I got three. You got your five points that quarter. The rest, now you can work on other stuff, facilitating, setting screens, rebounding, playing good defense, you know. So how did college and what did you learn at college to especially help you um, going into your playing career and then also your training and coaching career? Well, in college, we sucked. So, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah we, we, we were terrible. It was just me, you know, I had to carry a team. But it's okay, regardless. I met, had some, I met some good friends and, you know, but uh, it, it helped me understand perseverance and it helped me understand humility, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I really, really had to understand, like, if I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, moving into your career, can you tell me about how you got the opportunity um, to go and play in Israel? Well, that's a long story. Uh, I won that King of the Rock tournament, and I beat yeah. an Israeli player, and uh, I beat actually Dusan Balut. He's the best three-on-three player in the world. And then uh, people saw it, and then I went to Israel. I actually came close to playing Kobe Bryant. Wow. Uh, yeah, Maccabi Haifa. Uh, that's one of the teams in Israel. I was a practice player for them, and uh, they do like a, a NBA tour. Yeah. And yeah. one of the team, yeah, and one of the teams that they played against was uh, the Lakers when he came back when he tore his Achilles. Yeah. 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 So I was very close to getting on that team. So what was it like to play in Israel and overseas in a foreign country, and how do you find um, adapting to other countries? Well, I'm originally from Michigan. That's hard enough. Yeah. You know, and it, so I could adapt. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, Detroit and all that, Grand Rapids. So uh, being able to live in a foreign country, being able to, it was just an opportunity for me. And I just took advantage. You know, uh, Israel specifically, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience with the culture and everything like that. And you see everything on TV with wars and everything, but it, it's just, just enjoy the experience. Uh, it's the same thing. You know, I played in Australia as well. Yeah, so, so now, so then you yeah. get to go to France, um, playing right. another, another overseas country, and then now yeah. you're obviously helping out with the national team um, yeah. over there. What, what, right. How did that pathway sort of happen to get to France and then the pathway out of France and kind of back into where you were coaching? Yeah, right. So let's say after Israel, I went to France, I played. Then I went to Australia and I played. And then that was my final season. Actually, when I, when I originally started some of the process, is in Australia and France. Yeah. Uh, one of my yeah one of my first clients w- was a, a Chinese kid out. In, uh, he plays. I think he's on the three on three national team in China right now. Uh, he was that was my first client in Australia. Wow. And, uh, How my old first, was he then? Yeah. Uh, he was seventeen, I believe. Eighteen. Yep. Yep. And uh, another kid named Reese Hislop. He he's actually Australian. He plays in Germany right now. Yeah. Those were my first two clients. Yeah. And wow. uh, a kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, I just it just took off. It just took off with my networking, my connections, with my business savvy, and uh, now I'm training four national team players from France. You know they got the silver medal in the Tokyo Olympics. Mm. You know uh, a number of Swedish national team players. Kalise Lloyd, she's one of the top Euro- female European players. I had to get her ready for the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah. And now I'm in Panama and I'm working with some of the Panamanian national team. Don't don't talk to me yeah. about the Tokyo um, silver um, medal. I mean, um, yeah. every um, Australian's ecstatic. I mean, totally ecstatic with bronze medal, but um, right. Im- imagine if um, the boomers got the, the silver, which they'd be looking at Paris 2024. Right. The, the thing is, is that uh, Australia has the potential to win it all. 
So yeah, it's exactly. rent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Australia has a specific way they play basketball, which really does confuse a lot of teams and a lot of, you know, just their style, you know, and yeah. it's, it's really aggressive. Uh, I think over the net, you know, to like 2000, 2024 and 2028, it could be a silver medal. It, I don't know so much about a gold because I think once the United States, they bring all their horses out, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. But uh, it's so much you, uh, Australian basketball is growing, especially yeah. along the, yeah, with the South Sudan community coming in and playing and stuff. It's, it's good. Um, now, can you tell me about what, what it means to you and what your emotions were um, when you see France get that silver medal and know, you know, you're a part of that? For me, it was great. Uh, I actually did a really big tutorial in France. Uh, and that was my part. Uh, everybody is the biggest tutorial in all French speaking countries. And from what I understand, everybody used this thing from French national team players in the under 20s, maybe some pros. With me specifically, I trained a guy named Matthias Lazort and another guy named David Michinou, both played in the NBA. Uh, Sylvia and Francisco, we played one on one and I had to beat them. And uh, it's a, another guy. Uh, and those four guys, they all play for the French national team. And I just had a small part. I'm not responsible. But I'm just glad that I was able to work with those guys. And I just recently worked with Matthias. I'm glad I was able to work with those guys to whether they helped other players get better or they did what they did in the world championships in Tokyo. I'm just glad I was there. Like I'm glad I was able to work with such excellent athletes. Um, now, I want to get into um, you winning the Red Bull King of the Rock tournament um, in 2011 right. in Alcatraz. Right. Can you tell right. me a bit about the start of this competition and how that all came about to actually be at Alcatraz? Right. Uh, well, it started off in Arizona and then uh, I won. I was the king of Arizona, basically the king of the rock. It was like a king of the world tournament yeah, in so, the United so, States. So when you're walking I'm around, sorry. how many how many people notice you in the streets after that tournament? Oh, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Everyone come yeah, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Everyone, but it's, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's still like that now, man. Uh, I'm a legend in France when it comes to street ball. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. In Australia, you know, I play in a summer jam every year. Street ball madness. You know, you everybody know me. Summer like jam this year? No, not this year. I couldn't because, you know, I was, yeah, I was training uh, one of my yeah. players. But the last for last three years, those are my guys who run it. Yeah. You know, and uh, when I won the King of the Rock tournament, you know, I'm, I'm a beast. You know, I'm an animal, man. And uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, yeah, when it comes to one-on-one, yeah, I actually yeah. got in. Yeah. yeah, I actually got an endorsement in Japan, like a whole anime, like a one-punch style anime and everything just wow. because of what I do wow. to one-on-one and around around. Yeah, it's cool. It's doing well. Um, Now, can you tell me about... um? Your experience in that um, Red Bull King, the Rock tournament at Alcatraz. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, it was 64 guys. It was the some of the, it was the top one-on-one players in the world, and uh, you so know who, so it was who just. Did you beat in the grand in the final? I didn't win the whole thing. I made it to the top eight ah. in the final in the and in the, in the national final. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I lost to Baby Shaq. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. He was like an one street ball champion, and yeah. Uh, they yeah, yeah. But I'm not gonna take nothing away from him. He was an animal. Yeah. He, was, he was just a bigger animal than me that day. Did you feel like a prisoner out on the island at Alcatraz? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're looking around, you're like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, it, it, was, it was quite the experience just to meet people and to see people all over the world and yeah. having the opportunity to play against such great players. And it propelled my professional career. So with your professional career, especially in um, coaching and with the process basketball, um, we'll get into that in a minute. How do connections... Um, and your network around the world um, help you get that up and running? Well, that's the most important thing with any business. It's just people who you know. 
Yeah. You know, even the, even the way we connected and uh, I'm seeing your Instagram page and seeing the number of people who you've actually interviewed. That That's the most important thing. Like, I, I have a feeling you're going to have a bright, bright future in this, man. You're doing Thanks, an awesome man. interview. Thanks, yeah, yeah, you're doing an awesome interview. Uh, and uh, it's just connection. And it's and it's actually efficiently doing the job. And uh, I've been all around the world. Uh, like, Australia is like my third home. Paris is my second. But Panama is my first. And I got some very, very close friends and all these people, I mean, in these places. And whenever I want to put something together, my friends, they're involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. now, can you tell me about a bit about the process basketball? Yeah. Well, the process, yeah, yeah, for sure. The process, the process basketball is one of the top training programs in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially with specifically what I teach. Uh, I'm pretty much the, the transition between a lot of European players going to the NBA or getting prepared for like top level Europe or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And uh, my specific style is that like one-on-one style isolation and making it make sense in that European game. And uh, I got 100% success rate. Yeah. Like all my players, yeah, all my players have done it. Everybody's doing whatever. And uh, I actually get offered some big athletes who I don't necessarily, I can't disclose, but uh, I sometimes I turn them down because uh, what can I teach these high, high level athletes? My job is to really make athletes get better and transition to the next level. Uh, yeah. One of my clients is James Young. Yeah. He, he, uh, yeah, yeah, he got drafted uh, top 15. He plays in Israel right now. And uh, he, my job is to resurrect his career. Mm-hmm. Matthias Lazor, he got drafted by the 76ers. You know, he plays for the French national team. I got him ready for Serbia. He played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. And uh, I'm a fixer, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned yeah. James Young. You helped him sort of get to the NBA. And um, once he was cut, um, get back on the Knicks roster and then was cut once again and then back to the right. G League. Can you tell me about your work with him? Right. Yeah, he actually is still signed with the Knicks, but I think he has like a two-way contract. Yeah. So, yeah, what happened is uh, he was playing at Maccabi Haifa, ironically, the same team I almost played, almost played for. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I his agency, they flew, they told me to fly out there and train him for a month to get him focused and stuff. And, you know, I get the Kevin Hart treatment, man. I get the stadiums. I get all that stuff when I'm training these players. And uh, the, uh, I guess the NBA understood what I was doing for him or certain scouts understood that I was keeping him in, in line. And uh, we trained for a month and he ended up leading the league and scoring. Yeah. And uh, he yeah. dominated. Yeah. So then he yeah. ended up getting his next contract. And uh, now he's back in Israel to do it one more time. I think after he's going to go, I think COVID slowed him down a little bit, but uh, because not because of his skill set, but because of how it slowed basketball down as a whole. But I think he's going to go back to the NBA next season. So when you came out to play in Australia, um, which is, I guess, essentially where your training started and in France, yeah. um, what, what was your first time in Australia like um, experiencing Australian culture? Man, I loved it, man, because you guys have an awesome, awesome street ball culture. Like, that's who embraced me first. It was the Paran guys. It was the Paran Summer Jam guys. And uh, it, I, they just showed me love. Like, you know, every Sunday, you know, like Joey Mazar, like, that's my guy. Like, you just put on your street ball stuff. You put on your kicks, your shorts, and you just hoop all Sunday. And that's what I love. That's where I came from in Michigan, like, the street ball. So Australia was perfect for me. Like, what about the cultural difference between America and Australia? Well, for me, everybody is everybody. I really, the cultural differences, I really didn't pay too much attention to it uh, because I, I can adapt with anybody and anything. So when I came to Australia, I just embraced everybody. Yeah. I really didn't see too many, yeah, I didn't see too many differences. Like I didn't pay attention to it, let me say it like that. Mm-hmm. And with me coming in with open arms and an open mind, 
everybody was cool. And, and you know, it, it, Australia is a great, it was a great experience being up there. So how did you get your uh, your first clinic uh, running? In Australia or France? Uh, in, over the world, yeah. Ah, just all over the world. Well, the I world. mean, like I said, yeah, like I said, like I'm, I'm a legend when it comes to this one-on-one. I'm a legend when it comes to the street bar and people really want to learn it. And not only that, I'm beating all my clients. Like some of these names that I'm talking about, when it comes to the one-on-one, three dribble max, NBA one-on, I'm winning, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So imagine imagine you're a player at the top level and your coach is beating you. You know, yeah. it, takes the e- it takes the ego off the equation. And it says, okay, I want to learn what my coach learned. You have coaches out here sometimes, they're telling you drills, just passing you the ball, blah, blah, blah. But I'm one of the few coaches who can actually perform what I teach. Not to mention, I got a cartoon, so I got an anime. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> add a bit of, add a bit of uh, bonus points. Right, right. And uh, my tutorial, like I said, is doing real well. It's in eight different languages, too. So you got people all over the world looking at my tutorial, and they just want to learn that style. It's entertaining, but, you know, you win when you use it. So are you looking at launching like a sort of online program to reach even more people? Probably in the near future. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm building a faci- my own private facility here in Panama. Wow. And I'm going to make it like the base for all my players around the world to come train. Because yep. every summer, you, uh, you might be a little young, but it's a movie called Fight Club, if you haven't heard of it. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, basically, uh, or it's like Street Fighter. You take all the best fighters from around the world and you pretty much have a tournament. I take yeah. all the, all my all my top players, and I, we do a private training session. And uh, I did it in France. I did it uh, in Arizona in the states a couple of times, and, and I did it in Panama already. And I'm finishing my facility to do it again. So you have all no cameras, no nothing. We just training for a month straight. And uh, I'm gonna do it. That's why I'm, I'm gonna make my home in Panama to do that every year. So have you heard of Hoop City yeah. in uh, Australia? I haven't been yet. You haven't heard uh, of Hoop was, City. Yeah, I've heard of it, but You've I haven't been of? there yet. No, you haven't been yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like the only NBL like endorsed um like facilities in Australia, yeah. um and yeah. things like that. And it's got like amazing facilities. I mean, Melbourne United train there every day and things like that. They're oh wow! Launch- yeah, so they're launching all over Australia. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, just in relation to um the facilities you're setting up. Like, are you looking at like having one of those like shoot away machines and all the kind of dribbling bays and things like that? Yeah, yeah, everything you need. But yeah. to even take it further, we're gonna have yoga coaches in there and everything. And yeah, what, wow. so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have everything. Fitness coaches, everything. That's what I have at my events. Yeah, and uh, it, that's that's Golding's gym, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Golding's. Yeah. Yeah, Golding's. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, his gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, yeah. you see like Dustin Daniels going there and all that. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, I stay in like a skyscraper here in Panama. Oh, so my wow. gym is actually, yeah, so my gym is actually downstairs. Oh, perfect. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to have all my players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have all my players stand inside the skyscraper when they come and they can just walk right downstairs and, and uh, use the gym. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. can you tell me about, I know you've set up um, clinics and camps um, and those kinds of things and like camps and things like that in Israel yeah. and Paris and things like that and establish them. Yeah. How do you um, establish these kinds of things and um, especially marketing wise? Well, I just use myself. Yeah. You know, uh, due to the, my network and due to my, you know, commitment and everything like that, people take what I do serious, whether it's because I had a Nike contract back in the day. Yeah. You know, whether it's brands, whether it's different connections, people take what I do very, very serious. And marketing-wise, I just need myself. 
Uh, one big part, though, is my philanthropy, my community initiative. Like, I really use this platform to help kids all over the world. Uh, even some really, like, uh, serious social issues that happen around the world, like here, yeah. uh, they have a homeless issue. So, you know, I help the kids there. In Australia, I worked with a lot of the South Sudan kids and stuff like that. Of France, I went out in the streets and did free camps. Uh, I actually did the LeBron James More Than an Athlete campaign. I did, like, the follow-up camp behind him. Uh, and I really take my platform and I take my athletes and I go back to their hometowns and I do like free camps and help kids all over the world. And I think that is the biggest thing. I think people see uh, me giving back, but also using these athletes, training them the right way. I think that's why the process has become one of the top programs in the world. What does it mean to you? What does your community work mean to you? Man, that's the most important thing, man. Uh, you know, we have a big gun violence pro a problem in Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, for me to go back in my old neighborhood and do a free clinic and the news came out, and they made me a hometown hero. It, it was just incredible to me. But to be able to do that all over the world, like you see what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. I had to go to Estonia and like do camps for Russian communities. Yeah. Or like, let's say in France, you know, I'm doing free clinics out there here in Panama. It's just an amazing thing. Uh, my next thing, I got to go to Greece, like Oprah Winfrey and Prince Harry. They got a program coming up. Wow. And I got to, yeah, I got to go out there and I got to do something with basketball with their program as well. So it's just, it's a blessing. Um, now, can you tell me about your um, time developing NBA players and um, the NBA players who are now in the NBA um, that everyone sees on, on their TVs um, and how you've helped them? Well, I play with a lot of NBA players, but the actual ones that's in the league right now, I can't necessarily disclose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's my, well, I, I really balance my company on confidentiality. Yep. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I really do. Uh, and I, I can mention James because that's my guy. And uh, we are we using media to really transfer his, you know, his career. Same thing with Matthias. Same thing with, uh, uh, what's his name, David Michinu. Uh, but I actually work with uh, Emmanuel Malou. Uh, he plays for the 36ers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I worked with him way back in the day. Uh, wow. I helped him get his first. Yeah, I helped him get his first European contract in Estonia, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. Now he's doing really well. I believe. Mm. He's doing really well in Adelaide. That's where he's playing at. Yeah. Um. Now, can you tell me about your experience um, assisting guys with Olympic qualifications? Yeah. So, uh, for example, Kalise Lloyd, she plays for the Swedish national team. Yep. And uh, I, yeah, she she wanted me to prepare her for the Olympic qualifications because she was the leading scorer on her team, you know, or David yeah. Michinu and Matthias Lazor. Like, and what we do is uh, they privately have me come and they help. They want me to get them mentally ready for these, you know, type of things. Like David Michinu, I had to get him ready for the NBA Summer League and uh, the Euro Championships as well. And just as much as I'm a skills coach, I'm also a mental coach. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So I'm really promoting them, really getting them in a headspace to go to wherever they need to do to dominate because you can only imagine what the Olympic uh, qualifications may feel like, the pressure, or the NBA Summer League, the pressure, mm. you know. So, yeah. Now, can you tell me about your national, um, your experience at national level, um, like we've mentioned before with the Swedish national team? What's it like adjusting to these different uh, styles of play between countries? Well, it's pretty easy. Like, for example, I trained the Estonian national team. That's one of yeah. the toughest ones, right? And uh, they, they have a certain toughness to them. So rather than trying to com com combat the toughness, I just say, hey, you know what? Everybody, let's play one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let me show you what it is. Let me show you what time it is. And we played King of the Court and I smashed all of them. <laughs> so, you know, so once right then and there, they understood. They said, we need to learn what our coach knows in order to win in the Euro championships. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because at the end of the day, it is many styles around the world, different languages. But once you tap into that ego, because basketball is a lot about ego and confidence. And once you find that balance and you tap into it, anybody can learn anything. Now, there's been a lot of articles written um, about yourself and the process basketball. One I've read um, on ESPN. What does that mean to you um, to have an article about yourself and the process basketball published on ESPN? Man, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. Like the ESPN articles, the MSN articles, to wake up one day and to know that, you know, a kid from Michigan to know that, you know, my platform has allowed me to be somewhat famous. It's just a blessing, you know, but not even in famous in a social media sense. It's famous in the sense of like people really are engaged in what I do. Uh, it's a magazine in France called Reverse Magazine. It's considered one of the best magazines out there, but they don't put any of their content online. It's all physical. Yeah. And uh, I'm in that magazine, yeah. like I'm in their highest sold magazine, you know, and, and it's crazy like to wake up and I'm in different medias all over the world. It's just it's a blessing. Um, now, can you tell me about your involvement uh, with the U.S. government and things like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, my job, along with the basketball training, is really to push peace. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you see how the world can be crazy sometimes. Yeah. So a lot of times I work with the U.S. government uh, as a diplomat, you know, uh, to go do basketball programs to support peace. So, for example, when I was in Estonia, I was training a national team, but I was also going to work with the kids, the Russian communities in the area to promote peace and to show that the U.S. is a good country and stuff like that. Uh, you see what's going on with Ukraine and Russia right now. And I guess my job there was to try to help prevent that, you know. And uh, now I have no, uh, a number of projects coming up in Japan. Uh, I have a number of projects in Africa, here in Panama, that I'm going to be doing with the U.S. Embassy all, you know, and it's great. Um, now, can you tell me about um, your experience and, um, I guess, what you've seen and the difference between NBA and NBL levels of play? Well... <laughs> The NBA is just a beast. You know, the NBL is growing. Let me say it like that. The athletes are getting better. You have a number of players coming through there and getting back to the NBA and actually having or getting to the NBA and having a a lot of success. You know, for example, the ball kid, Melo, he came out there, he did his thing, and now he's he's an NBA superstar. And I think uh, the NBL is becoming a segue to get a platform for players to get to the NBA. Uh, the NBL is a very, very quality league. What I, what I wish is for the NBL to compete with Europe because yeah. you, you, hear, yeah, you hear a lot about who's better, the NBL, the European basketball, who's better. And, and because the NBL is just one league, whereas Europe is a million leagues. Yeah. But it would be great for international competition. It would be great to see beyond the Olympics or the world championships who are, who is good or who is better in the leagues, because I think it would improve Australia tremendously. Uh, Australia, at the end of the day, the NBL has developed its league on its own, like by itself, and look at the success. So imagine if it started to connect with other countries around the world. I understand the playing rides are crazy, but, you know, uh, now the NBA is starting to do that. They got games in Japan. They got games in the UK. They got games in France. Yeah. And I believe Australia should do it because it'll make it a global league. Yeah. You know? So what do you what do you think of Josh Giddy? He's come through the NBL system. 
um, as a yeah. next star and he's gone straight to the NBA and it's almost like he's yeah. just adjusted instantly like it was always meant yeah. for it. He's looking like um, he's five years into his career or three years into his right. career already. Right. He's in a, he's in a good uh, situation in Oklahoma mm-hmm. where he gets, he gets the opportunity to be a sub. He's got he doesn't have the house, pre- though. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have the pressure in a big market like the Knicks or the Lakers or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he has the pressure. And he's playing so well. You know, and and getting that toughness from it, because the NBL and Australian basketball as a whole, it's tough. You know, exactly. when you go to the basket, yeah, when you go to the basket, you get hit. You know, whether you playing from Big V NBL one all the way to NBL at the top, you getting hit. You you really got to play. Well, Australian basketball, they let you play, and the NBA, they let you play. And I think Josh Giddy, he came in prepared. I think his head was on straight. Um. So, what do you think of? What's draft time like for you in the lead up into the draft? Do you help guys um, and prepare them for the draft? And what does the NBA draft time look like for you? It's looking good. Uh, I got a kid named Adonis Arms. He played for Texas Tech. And uh, they made it to the Sweet 16. And uh, he actually, I've been training with him for the last three or four years. And uh, he's looking like he's going to be a a pretty good draft pick. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. We're going to get prepared this summer. So, are you coming back out to Australia anytime soon to do a clinic? Man, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, some yeah. of my guys who connected us and stuff like that. I really, really hope so, man. Uh, I, I love Australia. It's a great place. And uh, me and a couple guys, we're starting to build, we're starting to put together some business out there. So it's a, it's a huge, huge possibility. I'll definitely come out to the street ball tournaments, you know, the Paran Summer Jam next year. But for sure, I believe that with what I'm doing here in Panama and what I've already done, what I'm doing around the world, I think sooner or later, Australia is next on the radar. So, for example, someone like James Young, when you're trying to um, get him back into the NBA, how much time in the gym and how much work do you spend with him? We put in work. We put in work. Sometimes we're in the gym for four hours a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're getting it in. I mean, not just shots. We're doing skill sets. We're doing mental. We're doing film. We're doing the whole thing. Uh, to play in the NBA, people think, anybody think they can play in the NBA. But yeah. even myself being a one-on-one champion, I didn't make it to the NBA. You know, so it's it's more than just what you do on the court. It's what you, you do off the, the draft, court as well. I went to a lot of pre-draft camps. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did really well. Like, I killed it. From going to such a small school and to get these opportunities, I killed it. And I actually had some G League workouts and played in some, you know, some development league. Back in the day with the D League, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I had my workouts and stuff and my phone calls from the NBA teams. It's just, you know, luck didn't – it luck didn't happen. But now I'm, I'm glad I'm in a situation – where I can help others. So James, he's putting in the work. Adonis, David Michinou, Matthias, they're putting in the work. These guys, and for them to be where they are, imagine the Kevin Durant. Imagine LeBron James, who spends a million dollars on his health. Imagine exactly. Josh Giddy. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole nother level. Yeah. So do you have guys in different parts of the world managing um, parts of your company? I mean, yeah, I mean I like, like a manager for, say, like France, a manager for Sweden and things like that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what I do is uh, other co- other countries, they already have their own establishments and then I invest into those establishments and we become partners. Uh, and sometimes I do it with brands as well. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, France, I was with Nike before before I was with Adidas, but now, you know, and then I went to Nike. Yeah. But then I got strong enough where I was on the same level as Nike. So I didn't have to, you know, we, we just have our every time I go back, I go to the Nike facility, we train, we do our thing. It's a mutual partnership all over the world so when i land in the country like i said man i get good con- i get 
that whole Kevin Hart treatment. I get stadiums, I get the players, I get everything I need just because of my relationship. So, yeah. So what's it like to have a, a brand um, deal with someone like Nike? It was cool, man. It was definitely an experience, man. They showed me a lot of love. Uh, and the camps and everything were so professional. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, having different conversations, you, you get to learn more and more about business. And then you get some cool gear, too. Uh, my Adidas gear, before Nike, my Adidas gear was bananas. Like, it was it was mm -hmm. awesome. You know what I'm saying? And so was my Nike gear. And then you to see, like, your logo and to see that logo and how they partner. Oh, and yeah, 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 it's cool, man. It's an experience. Um, now, can you tell me about, um, you know, how you're going to keep track of um, all your different guys in all different leagues in the world? Yeah, I just call them, man. Or I talk to them on Instagram. Yeah. A lot of them... Yeah, in the middle of the season, a lot of them, they just hit me up for advice. Mm -hmm. They call me and say, hey, what I need to do, what I need to do better, because that's part of the process as well. Like, we are friends. You know, I keep my same 12 to 15 clients every until they stop playing basketball. I rarely bring somebody new in. Like, I just keep that group. Uh, and uh, they all call me. I'm cool with their families. Like, we all talk. And because they feel comfortable enough. With that comfortability, I'm like a big brother. With that comfortability, yeah. they take my advice. And they do well. So where do you think Dyson Daniels sits um, in the NBA draft at the moment? I'm, I know Mike Schmitz has ranked him um, at about 10. Right. I think the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah I think the same. Do you think he can go, uh, do you think he can go great, a greater um, rank than that? We've seen guys like Josh Giddy um, ranked 13 to 16. He's gone at six. We've seen LaMelo, who was ranked um, eight to 10, and he went at two. Right. Uh, basically, what it depends on is the pre-draft camp, pre-draft -pre camps, you know, individual yeah. workouts. Because a lot of times your draft stock can go up or down if you're not prepared for those workouts. Mm -hmm. uh, all the leagues and all that stuff is just a pre is is pre to the next step. And then he can yeah. go on a workout and dominate like somebody who's projected a number two. He can go in there and kill him and then take his spot right then and there. And that's what I teach with the process It's like when you go in. You got to go, you got to turn Super Saiyan 5. You got to, you know, yeah. you got to get it. Yeah, you got to go crazy, you know. So what was your um, pre-draft experience like for you? It was cool. Like, uh, I had to go to Adidas camp in, uh, where was it? It was in Florida. Yeah. And I had to go to two yeah. of them. And uh, I, I killed it. Like, I did all right. Uh, it, but I realized that I needed to do more. I was so caught up in just playing basketball that I realized I should have had more discipline. Diet, lifting weights things like that. And, and I probably would have made it. And I still got smaller opportunities to make it, but I just realized in my head that I wasn't prepared enough. I think I realized that I was more of a coach rather than an actual player because uh, I have the freedom to do what I want. Like sometimes yeah. making it to the NBA isn't always the best thing for everybody. Yeah. I don't think, I like my freedom and I'm doing just as yeah. well. I don't think everybody wants to be in an 82 game season. You hear about players who get drafted football specifically and they just retire right then and there especially if they get that lottery pick you know yeah. so yeah and they just get the money yeah right yeah. um now can you tell me about um what it's like for you as a coach um to have all these different connections especially with basketball players around the world and you see someone um one of your guys um he has an achievement or an accolade next to his name um and you know that's personal skill not team skill and you know you know, I've, I've worked on that with him. That's that's my work. Man, it feels good to see. I seen uh, Donis, for example, who's playing for Texas Tech. We did like a, a power dribble 
revert fake spin and and he we worked on it every day every day every day and he did it like in the game dunked on somebody screamed ah you know and it felt good to see that you know you i seen uh james young he's left-handed so he rather than just taking off with the left he'll do a hard right to his left and he did it in college and he did it when he was playing for hyphen and dunked on everybody and we worked on that and then you see these same guys They'll go when they get their interviews on the news and stuff. They'll talk about what I did with them. So have so you yeah. had have you had any experience coaching um, any Australian guys recently? Uh, not recently. The only guy who I really trained was Emmanuel Malouk, who plays for the Thirty Sixers. Yeah. But uh, you got you guys are so far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> you know you guys are on the other side of the world. But actually, when I was in Israel, Joe Ingles was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv when they won a championship. What was that like to get to? To know Joe Ingles. Yeah. What was that like? Sorry, are you there? I think we froze. Have you got me? We back. We froze. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what was that like to yeah. uh to get to know someone like Joe Ingles? Oh, I didn't know him. Uh, I no? played in the second league. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yep. play against him. I played um, in the second league. I just remember he was there. Yeah. 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 And uh, or what's crazy about his situation when when he was there, he didn't get that much time. Didn't he? But I, I, no, he didn't. Uh, when I because sometimes playing in Europe, just because of the different styles of play, it can be situational. Yeah. But yeah. he was always a great player. And then yeah. once he left Maccabi Tel Aviv, he ended up going to the U. I mean, he ended up going to the Utah Jazz, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he killed it, you know. And I'm not, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, uh, he deserved he deserved to play more when he was at Maccabi Tel Aviv. But sometimes the system that they had, it worked and they won the Euro League champion or yeah, the Euro League championship. And then he got he got the opportunity to play in the NBA. He's been in the NBA since. Um, now, yeah. uh, Tremaine, to finish off, I want to ask you um, a question. What's your best advice to anyone who wants to be a professional basketballer and be successful like yourself? Man, uh, just keep going. Just keep going and take chances and go for it. Really, you probably can give more advice, man, because you're a 15 year old kid and look what you're doing, man. You're doing <laughs> it. You, you know, you're doing this Thank with you. so much swagger. Thank yeah, you. you're doing it with so much swagger and confidence. Uh, I have a lot of interviews and I have to do a lot of podcasts. And uh, you, you looking like a pro, you know. So it's just really being yourself, going into it with confidence, and really, really working hard. And then your dreams will it'll come true. All right, thanks, Tremaine. Thanks so much for putting yes. aside um, an hour or so of your time to come and have a chat. It's been an honor, pleasure, and a privilege to have you on today. Man, no problem at all, man. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max on 1116 SEN today. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN.